host is Havila Kennington, and this is Havila's podcast. Well, hello, my friends. How are you all doing? It is the same thing every day at the Cunnington House for the past seven weeks. Can I get an amen to whoever is listening to this? <laughs> it's been, it feels like it's Groundhog Day, and I often wondered what that would feel like because that's one of my favorite movies. Well, now I know. I kind of get more of the idea except that I can't even try to go anywhere, and it's just, it's very unique. Um, I oddly feel anxious thinking about even transitioning back into normal life. Not that I won't do it or don't want to do it, but there is such a simplicity to being home that I am not used to, and now I have gotten used to it, and it is, it's very... Uh, it's really, really refreshing, um, and I don't know. I just really like it. I feel like my husband and I have are in the best moments of our lives right now. Our kids are doing well. You know, I know I've been home like this in the past, maybe not stuck at home, but definitely feeling stuck at home when I had four boys under the age of five. So, you know, you didn't leave. When you have four kids, five and under, you stay home, you are doing nap, you know, duties and diaper duty and cooking. And I mean, it just, it was all encompassing being home with those four boys, but it was just, it's just so different right now because I'm not tired. I'm not overwhelmed. I, I'm not, you know, pregnant. And so it's weird to have the energy to go somewhere, but not, not going somewhere. It's been really unique. And I don't know when it's going to end. It's, it feels like I'm not sure the world knows when all this is going to end. But one thing I do know is, is that I am definitely not going to waste time wondering about tomorrow, but I'm going to steward my present day. And that doesn't mean it's just a perfect day of start to finish everything I needed to do, I got done. But it's more about being present and staying in my everyday moments with myself, with my kids, with God, all, all through it, right? Being present. So this month over at Truth Academy, we're having a conversation. We're holding a conversation about self-acceptance and radical love when it comes to our physical bodies. Now, the reason I wrote a study on this or even began to talk about this topic was I had heard a quote that really made sense to me. And in essence, it was really about that we, we want God to lead our lives. We want his purpose to be fully driving our lives. Yet, if every time we look in the mirror, we hate what we see. Every time we look at our bodies in the mirror, we're disgusted or repulsed or even disappointed by what we see, then how can we trust the God who created that in visual form, created us in visual form? How can we trust him with our lives when the very thing that he created in front of us every day is something we don't want anything to a part of? And that's that was really, I think, a moment in my life where I realized, okay, it's true if what I see in the mirror isn't lining up with the truth of what I believe God does and creates, then I'm missing something. And I don't think it's that we even mean to. I think there's this universal narrative that we were created wrong. And it really is connected to marketing. It's connected to 
um, the way the enemy operates in our lives. It's it's about wanting to perfect what we have. Um, and there's there's really a whole bunch of ways we can look at it. But ultimately, we have to go after this part of us that has rejected ourselves and begin to understand that self-rejection shows up in ways that we would have no idea. And when I began to study this idea of self-rejection, I thought, oh, it's going to be like insecurity. It's going to be, you know, the girl that hates her thighs, or it's going to be the fact that I hate my skin or whatever it is. But when I got into the idea of self-rejection, I found that it shows up in a lot of other areas that we would have no idea, like no idea about. I was giggling thinking about this story years ago when I had just moved to Reading. And again, I had four kids under the age of five and the four of them you know progressively I gained weight with each child and the first one I gained 40 pounds and then I lost the 40 pounds and then the next child I gained 30 pounds and I lost the 30 pounds and the next child I gained 30 I think 25 pounds and I lost the 25 pounds and then I had the last child which was I another 25 pounds and I lost 15 of those pounds so I had all this kind of extra weight, and I'm not a big person. I'm only 5'3". I'm not a, I'm not very tall. So if you're a shorty like me, you know that any amount of weight that we gain, you know, we're not 5'7". Some of you girls are be you know, beautiful and lengthy and tall, and so you could gain 10 pounds and nobody would know. When you're short, 5 pounds, 10 pounds, 20 pounds, it makes a world of difference. It's multiple size of clothes difference. It's... Really, within 40 pounds, you stop recognizing yourself completely. It's just a foreign experience. So I did not hate my body in terms of, like, I I never grew up in a home where my mom was negative towards her body, which I didn't know was really special. I thought that was how every woman lived. And now that I'm in the everyday life with my girlfriends and, you know, my own position as a wife and a mom, I'm really amazed that my mom didn't do that growing up. And it gave me a sense of acceptance for my own body because I didn't hear her always being negative about her body. Um, but as I began to change and grow, I found that my self, not self-hatred, but my insecurity wasn't when I was young. And in fact, it wasn't even when I was a, a tween or a teen or a college-age you know, woman. No, no. In fact, my insecurity really came after having kids in the middle of while I was giving birth and newly married and gaining weight, I began to feel less and less um, joy about who I was and my body and what I look like. And, and for many years, I began to really feel embarrassed. I remember our church had sent out a survey to the men and women they did that like yearly where they would send a survey out to ask about messages and communicators. And it was just to give us some really good feedback. And I happened to be the only woman who was teaching at that time with a group of men. And I remember we were all reading each other's feedback and the men had all these, this feedback about content and, um, you know, everything about things that were part of their message. But when it came to me, the complaints were she tugs at her clothes. She wears too tight of clothes. She, you know, she she moves around too much. And I remember it was so embarrassing because what they were seeing was that I was, I did, I had never dressed my body in this size. I had never had, 
a chest this size. I had never had a stomach this size. I was, I didn't have the money to just go out and buy a whole brand new wardrobe because I couldn't fit the clothes I had before. I mean, I was, I was doing the best I knew how. And a lot of the tugging and the tightness and the pulling was because I didn't know how to live in the body I was in at that, at that moment. And that's when it really began to spark this insecurity of how I looked and I started to hide and I started, I remember at one point I looked back, I didn't even know this. I had worn, somebody had said to me, if you wear all black, you look thinner. And as I looked back, there was one whole year of my speaking where all I wore was black. I didn't even know I did it. It was like, oh, it's kind of my uniform. Oh, it's easy to wear. Oh, it's, you know, easy to put in the suitcase. But what I didn't know was that I was, I was hiding. I didn't want anyone to see what was happening inside of me and how I was feeling about my own physical body and feeling really embarrassed and feeling ashamed and feeling disappointed and feeling like I wanted to hide because I didn't recognize me and I didn't think I would be that person. And here I was, that person. And I think it was surprising that it didn't, my insides didn't change. I felt like the regular me, I just didn't recognize my body. And I remember moving to Reading and there was a, a new friend that asked me if I would go to the gym with her. And I got all excited and was like, yeah, I'll go to the gym with you. And she was this tall, thin, you know, just not in the season I was in. And I panicked. And I thought, you know what? I have to wear Spanx under my workout pants. Like I am jiggly, moody, <laughs> lumpy. I got all of it going on. And I didn't think about me wearing like workout pants in front of this girl. And so I threw on some Spank leggings underneath my other um, sweat or like stretch pants. And when I went to the gym, it wasn't until I'm like midway it through this workout that I realized that Spanx don't breathe. <laughs> they don't breathe at all. And I am just dripping sweat. I can feel it pouring down my back and down my legs. And I'm like, I'm like sausage in a sausage casing. I mean, that is the truth. And I, I could not get home fast enough. I ran home. I pulled my clothes off, like just these sticky wet clothes. And I jumped in the shower and I remember just laying on my bed after the shower and just like crying and being like, this doesn't feel like me. I don't know what to do. I'm so embarrassed. And God began to take me on this journey of really, really going after this part of my heart where I was divorcing my physical frame from what God was saying about me. And I was going, yeah, yeah, yeah. My body is like disappointing and I don't like it. I hate how I look. But you know, I love your purpose, God. And I love what you have for me. And I'm ready to do what your will. And I don't think it's that we have to be somehow in love with our bodies to, to have the full purpose of God. But I think that there has to be a correlation between us loving and doing God's work and working out God's purpose in our life and also working out our self-acceptance and loving ourselves and radical love towards our physical frame. And so I began to see this correlation and how it really connected and almost that it, it really mattered to God how I saw myself. And even exposing the part of me that... I cared what people thought and I cared that they, I felt embarrassed and ashamed. And why did I feel ashamed? I, I had these beautiful four babies that came out of this body. My body was a rock star. It gave me four beautiful babies. 
It allowed me four C-sections in five years. I nursed every single one of my babies. I mean, my body had done its job and it did it beautifully. Like it, it showed up. My body had taken me uh, in the playgrounds and up in the morning, my body had provided a safe place for my husband to come and be and to hold me and to care for me and to find sexual intimacy. And my body had taken me to platforms where I could preach and I could minister. And my body was a gift to me. And yet I was always avoiding my body, always divorcing my body in my mind. And I realized that I was only living half the life God wanted me to live because I wasn't accepting and loving who he created me to be. Now, I think that there's a fine line between apathetically saying, it is what it is, I just love my body, and I'm just going to be who I am, and actually stewarding our bodies and, and making our bodies, like creating them to be the healthiest place that can house the Holy Spirit, can house our, our spirits, our souls, and not to perfect that, but to just know I'm doing it because I want to be here for a long time. And I was thinking about... I was talking to a girlfriend the other day and she's in her thirties and she was saying, you know, have I been working out and you know, I love it and I'm muscly and I'm strong. And I, I guess I just had to get over the fact that I'm not this long lean model person, but I'm going to be athletic. I'm just going to look athletic. And I said to her, you know, what's interesting about being in your forties is that in my thirties, I had that perception and not was nothing wrong with that of accepting my body and who I was but in my 40s it's all about being strong it's all about being able to climb that hill and being able to get up in the morning without pain and being able to stretch and just I have a different idea I don't I don't want myself to be long and lean isn't the number one thing for me right now it's about growing in strength so that I know that as I age I'm not going to I'm not going to be hindered to play with my kids or to pick up my grandkids or to travel on an airplane or the things that I like to do, I'll be able to do because of physical health. And I don't, I don't know, you know, you'll have to go through your own journey of what that looks like for you. But for me, I think it really is about being the best version of who God called you to be. And I will never know if you're seeing it from a healthy way and you will never know if I'm seeing it from a healthy way because I'm the only one that's going to know the reason I do anything. You know, the reason I wear this, the reason I look at this, the reason I get my hair done, the reason I like my makeup this way, the reason, you know, I work out, whatever it is, they're my reasons. But what I have to do is partner with God to go, okay, God, this isn't a disconnect moment. This is a part where you can help me. I had a friend who was really struggling with working out and she was telling one of her friends, you know, I just, I can't seem to get the breakthrough. And the other friend said, you know, I used to struggle with it. And I just, you know, now I'm, I'm on my way. I'm training for a marathon. And she said, it looks like you need, you need a breakthrough, like a spiritual breakthrough about working out. My other friend said, gosh, I had never thought of it like that. I just assumed I needed more discipline. And so that friend at that moment leaned over and prayed for her prayed that there would be grace to be healthy and to exercise and that anything the enemy was holding against her or causing her to not want to do what she needs to do, she would do. And she said from that moment on, it was like broken over her and she began to work out consistently for the past six months. 
No, I don't know if it's all spiritual and I don't know if it's all, you know, practical. What I do know is that you're the only one that's going to know what it is. But I don't think, you know, some of the healthiest people that I'm around are really in bondage of their bodies. They've got to look a certain way and be able to do a certain thing so that they're worthy of living on the earth. Others of us, you know, we are. We, I, I would definitely veer on the side of laziness more than the side of obsession. <laughs> Sometimes I wish I was more obsessive about my body because I think, oh, maybe that would motivate me. And then I'm like, no, it's not, it's not good either way. It's not good that we apathetically go give up and it is what it is. And it's also not good that we obsess and we live in fear that we could become. That Neither of those ways are what we want to be. What we want to do is steward what God has given us the best way possible. And we don't want to obsess. We want to be able, you know, to, to do what's the right, you know, do the right thing in front of us. Craig Rochelle was talking about this the other day. He said, some things are going to be problems to solve in your life and other things are going to be tensions to manage. I think the love of our body and how we treat ourselves and our experience of our physical frame, some things need to be solved. You know, if you are, if you have an eating disorder, then that needs to be solved. Like you need to be able to reach out and get some help and don't, don't just share it with somebody that doesn't understand. There are people out there that absolutely understand what you are going through. And you are not alone. If you are dealing with bulimia, anorexia, even an obsession with food where you're not allowing yourself to be nourished and you know you are obsessing, then there is help for you. There is absolutely people out there in an anonymous way that would be able to sit with you and talk to you and walk you through it. And I have friends that have actually dealt with every single one of those areas and they have found freedom. It is possible. In the same way, if you are using food to medicate, if you're using food to abuse yourself, or if you're using food to, uh, you know, fulfill a, a momentary thing, but it's really hurting you, then I would say the same thing. There is help for you, but you're going to have to fight for yourself and you're going to have to stop saying, well, my mom dealt with this and my sister deals with this and this is just how the women in my family are. You're going to have to say, no, this might've been passed down to me, but it doesn't have to be my destiny. And you're going to have to break generational curses. Now, I'm not saying anybody dealing with weight, it's generational. It may not be. It could be a trigger. Sexual abuse is a huge trigger for obesity because it gives you a layer of protection. Others of you, it could be just purely medical. It could be on a specific pill or medication that is causing you to gain weight. It could be stress levels and cortisone levels. I don't know, but one thing I'd recommend is you go to the doctor and you find out how's your thyroid, how, you know, what's going on so that you're not going uphill. I just had a friend who started, um, I think it's called Gnome, and it's a scientific diet, and she's finding incredible help with that. So I don't know what it is. But what I do think is that the relationship with our bodies is a spiritual thing. And so instead of divorcing God in the middle of this moment, actually saying, okay, God, I don't know what it is. If I'm underweight, overweight, obsessed, apathetic, I don't know what it is, but I've got to get into the place where I'm treating my body with respect. I'm treating my body with respect, the respect that it deserves because it houses the Holy Spirit, it housed my babies, it, it, it houses the intimacy for my spouse, 
houses the energy to do the work of the gospel. So I got to respect what you've given me and I've got to treat it with respect. And I've got to, I got to begin to give myself to, to growing in health. Right. And so for me personally, that I have won at that battle and I've lost to that battle right now. I'm winning at that battle because I'm home every single stinking day. But do I get nervous about going back on the road and what that's going to be like? Yeah, I do. I, I know my own weakness when I'm on the road. And so I really am trying to set habits because I can only do what I can do today. I can't be afraid of the next holiday. I can't be afraid of putting on the swimsuit. I can't be afraid of all that. I have to just steward what I have today. I went for a walk today. I went for a hike yesterday. I took a, a class yesterday on my bike. I can only do what I can do. I ate vegetables yesterday. I drank a ton of water. I'm doing the best I know how to do. You know, am I at the weight that I want to be? No, I'm not. But the weight is just a number and my weight fluctuates like the wheel of fortune. I mean, I I could eat one thing and I could fluctuate seven pounds. I just, that's how my body is, you know? And at this point right now, I currently weigh 10 pounds heavier than my husband. That's just, guys, that's just real life. <laughs> I'm not embarrassed. I'm the heaviest person in my house. That's true. Some of you guys might be like, you're not even that big. Exactly. It's all about perspective. This is what life looks like in our home. But what I have to do is not get discouraged that my husband can come to bed with chips and salsa every night and never gain a pound. And I can look at the chips and salsa and gave five <laughs> to be aware that that is who I am. And so I can't compare. I have to just steward who I am. So the journey that we've been on over at Truth Academy is about really understanding self-acceptance and radical love. Now, one of the ways that we abandon ourselves is we can often abandon ourselves by not understanding where self-rejection hides inside of us. One of the ways that abandoning ourselves looks like is that we actually deal with self-criticism. Now, it's not shocking that we have self-criticism, but we may not understand that criticizing ourselves is connected to rejecting ourselves. I love this quote. It says, self-criticism refers to the behavior of pointing out one's own perceived flaws. It could be directed towards various aspects of the self, be it physical appearance, behavior, inner thoughts and emotions, personality, or intellectual attributes. Falling, I'm sorry, excuse me, failing at something that is important to us, whether it is a relationship, school, or work, can be painful. Most of these experiences jolt us, threatening the very core of who we think we are and who we aspire to be. The phrase from the quote above that stands out to me is the behavior of pointing out one's own perceived flaws. Why, why does that stick out to me? Well, you know, it's a perceived, it's a perception issue. I'm perceiving my own flaws. And oftentimes, if you ever talk to somebody, maybe it's your spouse or your mom or a best friend or whoever, and they're like, I don't see the flaw. I don't think that at all. But self-criticism is when we elevate what we think is not good and we underestimate the very good thing that we actually are doing. So we assume that if we if we criticize ourselves, then we're actually beating criticism to the punch. It's almost like I'm going to point out my flaws first so that if anybody else points out my flaws, I won't feel rejected. I won't feel embarrassed. I won't feel ashamed. 
some of us actually um, often make jokes about ourselves or, you know, we are derogatory towards ourselves because we think, oh, you know, I'm, I don't know, it's just what I want to say about myself. But the truth is, often it's a reflection of how we feel about ourselves and we're trying to beat people to the punch. We're assuming that if we reject those parts of ourselves, then when other people reject us in those areas, it won't hurt so bad. And sadly, it's the opposite effect in our lives. Not only do we have the outside narrative of rejection, but we now have the internal voice pointing out each and everything we are doing wrong. The terrible part is our internal narrative never goes away. It's always with us. There is no relief and no peace. But God came to shut down the accusing voice inside of us, protecting the very core of who we aspire to be. In fact, Romans 8.1 says it so clearly. It says, so now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. If you are dealing with self-criticism, and I understand this, I have, I have done this to myself as well. I want you to understand that no amount of criticism is going to shut down the fear of rejection. No amount of self-criticism is going to beat others to the punch it's only going to make rejection, rejecting yourself even hurt more because it'll be like two people rejecting you, those around you and yourself. And so you got to go back to the cross. You got to go back to Jesus to realize he is not accusing you. He is not rejecting you. He is not disappointed. He is not ashamed of you. He loves you. He created you. And he wants not just your heart and your voice to communicate the message of the gospel, he believes your physical frame is actually holds the image of him. Think about this. The Bible says we were created in his image. He says, when people look at us, they're going to see my son. What do you mean, Havilah? What I mean is God wants our bodies, the color of our eyes, the color of our skin, the way our hips are, the way that our voice are, is the way that our personality, all of that encompasses the message of Jesus on the earth everywhere we go. So when we hate the color of our skin, when we hate the gender we are, when we hate the education we have or the academics or maybe the intellectual part of our brains or whatever it is, when we hate the way that we look in the mirror, we have to understand that the enemy wants us to hate what we see in the mirror because it shuts down the gospel that we are communicating to the world around us. What happens when we see somebody who loves themselves who isn't perfect? What happens when we see someone who loves themselves but they clearly have flaws? It makes us want to love ourselves. Now we we don't we don't often think of it that way, but that's the truth. When we see somebody being willing to wear that, right? Wear that bathing suit, wear that her hair like that, wear that, you know, and we go, oh, if she can do it, I can do it. It's the same thing when it comes to our physical frame. When we begin to embrace the way that God created us, not in a I'll show you or I'm worthy anyway, but just a simple, I'm going to accept who God made me and steward what I have. Then we are actually positioning ourselves to be messengers of the gospel through our physical frame. Every smile, 
every moment of confidence, every, you know, how much of us, I just wonder how many of us would have an opportunity to share the gospel, but we're so concerned about the way we look or what we think people will think of us that we get so distracted by what's going on on the outside. We don't understand the message that wants to come out of us. I don't know. I feel convicted just thinking about that. So we actually can go back to being accepted accepting who Christ called us to be. So if you're dealing with self-criticism today, if you've been wearing those spanks to the gym, <laughs> if you've been dealing with getting older, or maybe, you know, it's something you've lived with forever. I don't know. I don't think it really matters. I think the truth is we all know what self-criticism feels like. We all know what it feels like to be ashamed, to feel embarrassed, to be humiliated. And we all know that the only antidote for that is actually seeing ourselves through Christ's eyes. When we see the reflection of ourselves through the eyes of God, we will see that the reflection is of acceptance, of belonging, of beauty, of love, of radical love directed at us. God says, I love your hips. <laughs> I love your eyes. I love your double chin. I love, I love the color of your skin. I love, you know, the way that I created your laugh. I love it all. You are a reflection of me. I created you like that. So hating that is not going to serve you well. In fact, it hurts me every time you reject yourself. It hurts the way that I see you. Because I love you, I created you, and I made you. So I once had a friend, This in, in closing, I once had a friend that talked about this. And one thing she recommended to do, and I haven't actually done this, um, not because I haven't thought of it, but just I haven't been in a position to do it when I think about it. But she really recommends just standing in the mirror, maybe in broad underwear, your bathing suit, or without clothes, and taking a pen and marking all the parts of your body that you hate, just putting, circling them on your body, and then beginning to declare blessing over those parts. Lord, I thank you for my arms. God, I thank you for the, my belly. God, I thank you for my hips. I thank you for my thighs. I thank you for my skin. I thank you for my chin. I thank you for all the parts that I have rejected. I, I have hated you. And you know what? I accept you. I love you. And you begin to speak love and acceptance over those parts of your bodies. And she said that all of a sudden you begin to feel a shift over your body. The things you've hated, you no longer hate. So I just encourage you with that thought today. In fact, I'm going to do it this week. I'm going to take time this week to look at my own body and to begin to declare life over every area that I've struggled with, thought of, rejected, tried to love. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to, I'm going to really do the work. I've done a lot of work. I've done a lot of work, but I'm going to do more work because I, I know, I know how important this is for our future you know, I love you. I'm getting older. I'm 43 this year. Uh, the idea that I'm going to keep perfecting and perfecting, perfecting is, is that's not happening. <laughs> I'm going to be aging. And so I want to age gracefully. I want to age fully accepting who I am and what happens on the earth and loving myself all the way through. I hope this spoke to you. I don't know if it did. 
listen, we're not done with this conversation. If you're part of the Truth Academy, we're gonna talk about this over at Truth Academy. And so if you are a student over there, jump on over to uh, the Truth Academy, as well as we're gonna be having a special guest in the next week that's gonna jump on. We're gonna talk about body image, and she is one of my favorite people. Uh, you're gonna be shocked when you see who it is. And uh, yeah, so don't forget to join that. If you're not a part of Truth Academy, don't worry. When we open up, we promise we'll tell you. Otherwise, join the conversation at the socials. I'll be having that as well um, on my Instagram. I love you guys. Have a great day, and I'll catch you next time. <music>